all they focused on was more leads for cheaper, right? Because if you, if only one person is buying out of a hundred and your goal is to get 10 sales, you need to get a thousand leads. And if you need five, 10 times the leads that you needed before, oh, you're going to want to spend the least amount of money possible on that. Have you heard? The sky is falling. Okay. The sky isn't actually falling. What is being talked about by every chicken little out there is how much Facebook ad costs are rising. Recode, Business Insider, Adweek, Ad Espresso, and more have been talking about declining inventory and rising costs for the last year. Small business owners are catching on too. Now we've been promised clicks and leads for less than a dollar by every Jeff, Ryan, and Frank out there with a portion and online marketing course. But what we're really seeing is lead costs balloon to $5, $10, or even $25 or more with little to no profit on the back end. So what gives? That's what this episode is all about. You're listening to What Works, the show that dares to break through the hype and get to the heart of what's really working for small business owners today. And I'm your host, Tara McMullen. In mid-December, Amanda Bond, founder of The Ad Strategist, pulled down her regular website and put up a sprawling multi-part article on everything that's not working with Facebook ads today. She explained how many of us have been sold a bill of goods when it comes to how we market our products and services, backed it up with case studies and data. She also presented a case for what is working based on her extensive work running clients' ad campaigns and teaching small business owners to do it themselves. I wanted to have her on the show to explain and dive deeper into some of the things she discussed on the site. This episode is part of a special series we're doing talking to the people with a bird's eye view on what's really working. In November, we talked to Issa Adney from ConvertKit about what's working in email marketing. And in December, we talked to Sai Hossein, the founder of Crowdcast, to find out what's working in live video broadcasting. This month, we're looking at Facebook advertising to find out what's working and what's not with Amanda Bond. Bond and I chat about bro marketing, why ad costs have been rising, why she has people focus on earnings per lead instead of costs per lead, and how she thinks about planning an ad campaign to maximize both the customer experience and profit. Now, let's find out what's working in Facebook advertising. Amanda Bond, welcome to What Works. Thank you so much for joining me today. Oh my gosh, thank you so much for having me here. I've been looking forward to this conversation already like crazy. <laughs> Me too. We are going to do some serious geeking out here today, and we are going to explore some things I think that people are maybe feeling or perceiving in the market, but don't have language for it yet. And they certainly don't have the data that you have. And so that's really what we're going to explore today. Um, all right. So where are we going to get started? Let's start with the misconceptions, uh, because there are a lot of misconceptions out there about how Facebook ads work, what place they pl uh, should have in someone's marketing plan, how people who are using them successfully or actually using them. So let's start off by dispelling some of those misconceptions. What's not working in Facebook ads right now? Uh, pretty much everything. No, <laughs> I'm, I'm just being facetious while saying that. However, I just find in our industry of the internet market, like internet marketing sphere, there's a lot of people who tout Facebook ads as this end all be all magic bullet to magically grow your business to heights that you've never seen before to achieve seven figures in 4.2 seconds. And it is really hurting us as an industry overall. You know what I mean? Like if you're in a health coaching mastermind and it might be talking about, okay, how do we acquire health coaching clients? Well, all of a sudden the person running the mastermind may have used Facebook ads in the past and they may have had some success with it. So they're now educating and sharing with their community, with their customers and their audience members, Facebook ads, this is the way to success. And so in our industry, we're seeing people jump in to Facebook ads way before they ever should. And two years ago, that wasn't really a problem because Facebook ad costs were so cheap that 
you could basically just like cobble together some type of campaign and be like, oh, dang, it worked. (laughs) But in 2019, when our ad costs have risen so dramatically, when the industry itself is getting a lot noisier, when there's more competition, you can't just have haphazard success with Facebook ads by boosting a post and, and crossing your finger and hoping what works. So what I'm seeing in the industry is almost it falling apart. It's really hard to sustain all of this recommendations of Facebook ads being the magic bullet because there's a lot of ad dollars being entered into the system that are being spent wrong along the way. Gotcha. Why have ad costs gone up so much? Just, I I mean, this was inevitable. Ad costs were inevitable with Facebook as a platform. You know, when Zuckerberg was at Congress and they say, how do you, you know, how does Facebook make money? And Zuckerberg responded with, we run ads, sir. Right? Like, that's how we make money here at Facebook. There's only so much inventory to go around. Like, there's only so many Facebook users that are active And actually, one of the trends that I'm seeing in the last little while is a lot of people are uninstalling Facebook mobile apps, and they're choosing to actively be on the platform less and less. So less or the user base has grown, yes, but all of a sudden people are slowly scaling back their time on the platform. And that means that Facebook has less eyeballs to serve up ad impressions. And they're a business, so they still have to be profitable. So what they're doing on their end is, okay, we've got more demand for the inventory, the ad inventory to get in front of eyeballs. So if you want that demand or if you want that supply, we're going to charge you more for it. Yeah, a simple supply and demand equation. Say what you will about Facebook, but this is basic economics, yeah. right? <laughs> we run answer. Right. Yeah, I think because I think that's a huge misconception too. Is like I think there might be a perception that Facebook is somehow, um, you know, wringing small business owners out to dry, and that's that's totally not it. There is, like you said, limited inventory, and we're all clamoring for it, and that makes the prices go up. Um, now, there's something else that you've been writing about recently um, that I'd love for you to talk more about here so that we can we could talk about it with as many people as possible, which is bro marketing. Um, What is bro marketing and what role does that have to play in uh, what we're seeing happening with Facebook ads right now? Absolutely. So bro marketing, it's, it's a cute little term. It's not gender specific. So I'm not targeting men when I say this, but bro marketing is essentially this concept of egocentric advertising, of really getting out there and creating all of your content, all of your customer journey, all of your processes to really focus on sales first to the detriment of serving your customers. And because internet marketing really hasn't been around for that long as an industry, it was, you know, the Wild West back in the the 1990s and the early 2000s where people could put together email campaigns that would move so much volume that they're like, oh, dang, this works from a sales perspective. They were using a lot of NLP-driven tactics. They were using aggressive copy to really persuade people into making the sale, hence the focus being on that sale, and not really going to the foundational elements of putting your customers first, like creating value for the people that you serve to create transformation in their lives. So bro marketing, the the cute little term that we use to describe that is really when you see internet marketers forcing people through funnels, like really trying to push sales, sales, sales to the detriment of actually caring about their audience, the journey that they're taking, actually caring about their audience like real human beings, right? Like when you when you think of a, a funnel, when you think of the doctrine, you're one funnel away from a million dollars, that's really focusing on you as the business owner. We got to push that seven-figure revenue. We got to get people through this funnel. And then we start to think of human beings like numbers 
instead of human beings with their unique goals and desires and visions for what they're trying to create, and then creating products and services that show up and support them around that journey. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I see bro, I see the sort of classic bro marketing out there for sure. But what I also see is what bro marketing has done to people who would not identify with maybe what you've just described, right? But they're still being influenced by that funnel philosophy or by prioritizing the sale or the revenue goal over relationship building and service and all of those things. What are you seeing in terms of how bro marketing has trickled down into a much more values-oriented, relationship-oriented marketing um, business owner, but has gotten them kind of off track, if, if that makes sense? It absolutely makes sense. And first off, I just want to reassure anyone who's listening who might be thinking like, shoot, I am pushing people through a webinar and I am doing the sales, the aggressive sales copy. I want to let you know that like, it's okay. Until now, we didn't realize that we were all drinking from this muddied pond of bro marketing because our industry was built by these people. So our mentors, our coaches, sometimes it was their mentors and their coaches that were sharing these tactics. And at a gut level, their intuition was like, oh, this doesn't really feel right, but this is, you know, this is what the mentors are telling us. So they dabble in bro marketing. So first off, I just wanted to let you know, like, if you have done this to this point, I get it. You're totally not alone. But one of the coolest things that we're seeing as we have more conversations about bro marketing, about really putting the customer first, is it's almost giving people relief to be like, oh my gosh, I totally felt that way. I could feel it in my gut that something wasn't right. And now they have permission to say, oh, okay, so let's put the customer first. And the people who are here to do values-driven business, those are the people that are going to succeed in 2019 and beyond. The people that say, okay, I'm here for the long run. I'm here to create perennial content. I'm here to go deeper than just the concept of, oh, okay, I have a new product that sells. Let's evergreen it instantly to get more money. It's now, how can we create lasting legacies and impact? And then how can we take all of these tools like Facebook ads, like email automation, like messenger bots and whatever tech is going to come out in the next little while? And how can we use that to support the customer journey in a way that feels aligned to the values that we want to show up with, right? So the mentors that are out there saying, let's push people through a funnel and add scarcity at every single opportunity, our audience, like our industry is wising up that they actually have complete control into creating sales processes that really support both sides. They create a win-win scenario. I love that. I love that. And yeah, I mean, I think what you know what you said early on in terms of uh, if you've been doing this to this point like you can't beat yourself up that much i love i love i put a star in my notes what you said our industry was built by these people um and so i know for myself i've had to really work at not beating myself up about things that i've done in the past or ways we've structured things or ways we've marketed things because i was doing the best I knew how to do at that time. And now I'm doing things differently based on the best I know how to do things now. <laughs> and exactly. That's what we're really all about is, is not just evolving and maturing our businesses, but really our understanding of the way we want to do business and the way that that's going to be most successful for us as well. Um, okay. So I want to get into actually what the structure of a Facebook ad campaign looks like that is built around the customer that prioritizes service. But there were a couple of other things that you have written about recently on your website that I want to address first, because I think that they're, they still fall into this kind of misconception category where I think if we don't get them out of the way, they're going to mess with how we approach some of this stuff. So the first thing um, is 
about conversion rates. You know, we've we've kind of come to this place where it's widely accepted that we're shooting for like 1% conversion rates or even less. Um, but from your writing on the subject, it seems like you have a different goal in mind. Why have conversion rates been so low in the past and how do we reset our expectations and our strategy so that we can have a healthier relationship with our conversion rates? Oh, I have all the thoughts on this one. And <laughs> as somebody who previously ran a Facebook advertising agency and saw the data behind this literally transforming over the past few years, I, I never quite understood it while it was happening. But as a service provider, really trying to help people achieve their goals, you bring your expertise to the table. But at the end of the day, the business owner calls the shots. So it was this progression from seeing conversion rates at 6% in live launches to 30% on live webinars just continuously fall and fall and fall. And over the last year, in 2018 especially, we really did see conversion rates bottom out at 1%. So for every 100 people entering into the sales process, only one person was purchasing. And the the challenge around that is the mindset that people took to put themselves into that position. So instead of figuring out why or reflecting on why our launches weren't as successful, what was happening, where the noise was showing up, why it was, you know, what other things had their attention around the same time, all they focused on was more leads for cheaper, right? Mm -hmm. Because if you if only one person is buying out of 100 and your goal is to get 10 sales, you need to get 1000 leads and if you need 5 10 times the leads that you needed before, oh, you're going to want to spend the least amount of money possible on that. So the way that I look at spending money on Facebook ads, you can take the old approach, which is focusing on your cost per lead, right? And figuring out, okay, I can only spend up to this amount on my ads for lead generation and still be profitable. Or you can flip your mindset entirely and focus on something more expansive, more abundant, more customer first. And that's focusing on the earnings per lead side of the equation, the earnings per lead can exponentially grow when you serve your customers at a deeper level. When you really focus on creating a customer journey that honors their process that they're going through organically along the way. You can only essentially, let's say you have a $5 earnings or $5 cost per lead. So on your lead cost side, $5 can really only go down to $4. And maybe if you're lucky, you'll find a small audience segment that, oh, cool, it was $3. But really, it only has a finite amount to go down. And you're trying to like squeeze the greatest value out of the money you're spending. But on the flip side, when we're focusing on our earnings per lead and and that includes our sales conversion rates because the more people become customers, the greater earnings per 100 people entering into our sales process. When we focus on that, we empower the customer-centric side of the equation. We empower us to think more of the long-term vision of what we're trying to create than just thinking, oh, awesome, I have this budget, I want to get this revenue ASAP. It's a very short-term versus long-term approach with it. Yeah. You know, the other thing that I have seen happen is when we're focusing on this cost per lead and getting as many leads as we can humanly get, um, or maybe digitally get, yeah. <laughs> technologically get, um, we end up creating what I would call lowest common denominator content. So we're creating lead magnets or opt-in incentives that are designed to appeal to as many people as humanly possible using, excuse the language, the dumbest the dumbest language, the dumbest phrasing, the dumbest answers we can possibly create um, because that's what's going to appeal to the most people. I'm curious what your thoughts are on that and how focusing on the customer, making it customer centric, focusing on the customer journey changes how we approach getting leads in the first place. 
Absolutely. So this is a a new concept, not a new concept that I'm, well, it's a new concept that I'm sharing, but this belief system I've had for a while, I actually think the value ladder is absolute like BS where you try to bait people onto your list through lead magnets and then instantly try and get them to transact with, I'm doing air quotes here, low hanging fruit, and then hope that they move sequentially through your value ladder where they then will turn into these like magical customers who have insanely high earnings per lead. Mm. I absolutely hate that model. And it's not because of an ego play of my own. It's because one, it doesn't serve your customer to not talk to the programs, the products and services that you have that create the highest value transformation. Usually the tripwires suck that you put out there, right? Like $17 here, buy my tripwire. Cool. How is that actually going to help people achieve something over the long term? What it ends up doing ultimately is cannibalizing your sales when you could spend the exact same amount of time, the exact same amount of effort, the exact same amount of attention speaking to the people who are ready for your highest level transformation, which also tend to be the products that are great earners. They have great profit margins because they're the things that sell, because they're the things that people get results. So they have built in word of mouth, right? People love talking about when they get results. So the this value ladder concept is let's start with the lowest common denominator because quote unquote, those are the cheapest leads, right? Mm-hmm. It's that it's that bottom like scarcity mentality instead of saying, hey, let's focus on the thing that we can actually help people get results and change their freaking lives with. And if you know, the same percentage of people, perhaps even more, will end up becoming customers when you focus on speaking exactly to them, exactly what they're experiencing on their own journey along the way. And what happens is that we're no longer optimizing for the lowest cost leads. We are out there creating really impactful work. We are out there running ads that attract the right person who's able to take action and get results. And then a byproduct is a portion of people obviously aren't going to transact with our our companies, right? Like 100% conversion rates. I don't think that's ever been a thing. And if it is, I'm going to study you like crazy. Um, (laughs) However, those people, let's say it's, let's say you have a 10% conversion rate, really focusing on the customer journey, focusing on your highest level transformation uh, product or services. That means 90% of people aren't ready to purchase yet. But instead of those 90% of people not having bought a $17 tripwire, it's maybe 90% of people that are just about to be ready for what your product or service offers. So then we can show up as what Andre Chaperone calls a most trusted advisor and really help people along the journey that they're on and add value before money ever changes hands. I just have to tell you, when we do it, when our clients do it, when we see our members do this, when they literally tell people, don't buy this thing yet because they're not ready, they create such a deeper version of brand loyalty because people are like, oh my gosh, they put me ahead of the almighty dollar. Mm. That makes a ton of sense. Ton of sense. Okay. So you mentioned profit margin and I want to, this is the other thing I wanted to get out of the way before we talk about what this, what Facebook ads look like today and, and really just what the marketing system looks like today. Um, you know, we've been told a lot of times if you can spend a dollar to make $2, you should do that all day long. It's like putting, you know, it's, it's like having a cash machine, right? And, and that's so what people were talking about with Facebook ads, even just two years ago, it's a cash machine. You figure it out and you can print money. Um, but that doesn't really take into account the full economics of actually running a business. There are expenses, there is overhead, 
how do you approach you know, you've you've already talked about this shift from looking at cost per lead to earnings per lead. Where does profit margin fit into that? How do we shift the way we think about what we're spending on marketing uh, to really better understand the the way the money that we spend actually results in profit as opposed to just revenue? Yeah. I mean, I could go off on a crazy tangent here. So your questions are amazing. Um, One of my biggest recommendations is the book Profit First. If you haven't read that one by Mike Michalowicz, it's just a great reset on how you think about your business in terms of operating expense and payroll and taxes and profit. So many people get caught up, like you said, in the treating Facebook like an ATM. Why wouldn't I double my money every single day if that was a possibility? Well, you could double your money by just doing something haphazardly and slapping together a funnel and you know giving Facebook some money and having that low-hanging fruit success. But that's really planning for the short term, right? Mm-hmm. We have to back up and be business owners, not just be magic cash machine seekers with Facebook ads and take into account all of your operating costs, everything that you're trying to create and the vision of where you're going. Like, what is your legacy here to look like? Because I've seen it time and time again, people getting on stages, preaching about their seven figure success. But what they're not telling you is that they spent 900 grand on Facebook ads. What? Why would you do that? <laughs> yeah, I yes, I <laughs> you could literally run a part-time $100,000 a year business and make the same amount of money who has yep. as someone who has a million dollar business if you're not paying attention to what's actually going into building that million dollar business. Yes, I Absolutely. completely agree. Okay. Um, last thing, there was one other really fascinating piece of what you've been writing about recently, um, that I want to get out before we talk about what's actually working when it comes to Facebook ads and what we need to know if we're going to, uh, set about creating an ad plan in 2019. Um, you mentioned that there is a, there's a, something going on behind the scenes with the very cliche advice of, oh, just raise your rates. Well, if, if you're not making enough money, you need to raise your rates. What do you think is actually going on there? What are you seeing that other people aren't seeing? Oh, I'm I'm seeing it, guys. I am seeing it. I'm seeing the numbers. What's happening is in these masterminds, the people that are leading masterminds literally can't afford their Facebook advertising at lower entry points prices to their programs, their products, their services. And so the only way that they can afford to continue Facebook advertising is by charging more, is literally building in more margin. And then they justify it by all these means necessary instead of looking at what's not working and making the changes They're just telling and teaching and preaching to everyone, raise your rates, right? Mm -hmm. And so it's this like, like, oh, it's just going around these little masterminds of, hey, we charge 50K for a mastermind. You should charge 50K for a mastermind. And that's how you get success. Hey, we no longer charge $2,000 for a program. We're now charging $5,000 for a program and adding two extra monthly calls because our $2,000 program, we couldn't sell with Facebook ads profitably. And instead of looking at why, instead of reflecting and going inwards on the customer journey and really helping people through that process, we're just going to build in the extra margin. And oh, you should too. Yes. This makes my heart hurt. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Like I, I literally could rant on this for so long because it's so frustrating, but yet These people are loud. You have to remember that we're all drinking from that muddied pond. And until now, we didn't really know how to assign verbiage to what we were truly feeling inside. And these people who are preaching the raise the rates are screaming it from the rooftop and they're screaming it from the rooftop with Facebook ads and, you know, all these other methods like JV launches, which is another way to also have your margins just like instantly halved, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, so along the way, 
they're being loud. So it's easy to believe that we all need to raise our rates. I'm here to just let people know in 2019, the person that you should be trusting the most is yourself yourself to really look at what you're creating and set yourself up for long-term success. No more hacks, no more scarcity, no more fake deadlines and timers. Let's treat customers like human beings and create a sales process that supports them through making an educated decision. And at the end of the day, some people will decide yes, and some people will decide no. And that's okay because we're here to build businesses for the long run. Yes. That is what What Works is all about. So I couldn't have said it better myself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Let's actually talk about what is working in Facebook advertising today. One thing that you mentioned uh, early in this conversation is that people were jumping into Facebook advertising before they were ready. How, first and foremost, it, here in 2019, how do we know if our business is ready for Facebook advertising? Oh my God, this is going to sound so ridiculous. Are you selling something? (laughs) (laughs) Is it working, right? There's so many people because others are preaching Facebook ads get that magic success. People are jumping into Facebook advertising without proven offers, without organically testing things without having the one-to-one belly-to-belly sales conversations to make sure that their product or service actually serves and solves a need in the marketplace. So please, before you ever think of spending a dollar on Facebook ads, make sure what you're spending them on has a potential to create revenue for the business. And I'm not saying that from like, get your money standpoint. I'm saying that from a, you need to have a sustainable business or you just have a really expensive hobby. Yes. All right. Awesome. Okay. So that's how we know if we're ready or not. And I just want to, I'm going to go ahead and rearticulate that because I just want to make sure people (laughs) heard it. You have to have an offer and you have to know that that offer sells. You're not testing things out on, you can test things out on Facebook, but don't test the thing that like you don't know anything about yet, right? Like make sure you know the thing sells before you go and spend money. All the prayer hand emojis to that one. (laughs) Excellent. (laughs) So once we have a thing and we know that it sells, we know people want it, we know people like it uh, or love it, um, what's next? Where do we go with kind of planning out what we want to be spending money on in terms of Facebook ads? Absolutely. So I'm a big believer, and this is what I know to be true, that what we should focus on first is scaling the unscalable, meaning we need to understand intimately the journey our customers are going through. And when it comes to like foundational marketing principles, they're going to go through three phases. And these three phases, we call them connect, commit, and close. You might know them by different verbiage, but essentially people are going to find you. They're going to go through the process of know, like, and trust. You're going to present them with information so that they can understand if you share their same values and if you might be able to help them solve a problem. So that's the connect phase. In the commit phase, this is where our potential customers raise their hand and say, hey, I am potentially interested in this offer that you have. So they may raise their hand by opting in to a wait list for a future program that you are putting out there. Or they might raise their hand and say, yes, I'd like to jump on a discovery call to see if this is what can help me achieve my goals. It's them taking an action and exchanging something of value, usually their email address or time. In 2019, the cool thing is you can actually do these micro commitments in the commit phase. Like instead of lead generation where you exchange their email address, you can get really fancy with Facebook ads and serve them the same email automation content that you would if they gave you their email address without ever having to ask them for an email address. You could say like, 
hey, if you watch this video to the end, you are going to see the next step in your newsfeed. So that's a little bit more ninja stuff. We can talk about that over on my Facebook page after the, after the episode. But once your ideal or potential customers identify and make that micro commitment, then they go into the close phase, which is all about purchase consideration. This is where they are analyzing your product or service for fit and congruency and values alignment and the actual outcome that it's going to help them achieve. So with Facebook ads, we need to create ads in each of those three phases. 95% of bro marketers out there are just focusing on the middle mm-hmm. phase of commit. And you'll know those as lead generation. So if you see, uh, you know, if you see the green haired Franks of the world who have this amazing value-laden webinar where they're gonna teach you X, Y, and Z. That's lead generation. You typically don't have a clue who this Frank person is, but they're telling you that they're going to give you lots of value, which is pretty much just a veiled sales pitch for their high ticket program because their ads likely aren't working. And so that's what 95% of the market is doing. What I love encouraging people to do is, again, reflect on what your current sales process, your current customer journey looks like through those three phases, connect, commit, and close, and then create ads to mirror the journey that people are taking organically. With one small caveat, I always encourage people, especially when they're getting started with ads, to start at the end. Most people want to build an audience and they want to grow it because that's fun and that's easy and it means you get to do live streams and then amplify it and just talk about nonsense. But I want you to start with the hard stuff, which is really identifying if your product or service solves a need by serving up close sales retargeting ads first. If you do that and those are working, that's going to exponentially help your earnings per lead, that expansive metric where we're putting customers first and helping them create true transformation. Once we know that that earnings per lead is sustainable and can support Facebook ads, then you can start doing more lead generation. Then you can start putting together connect sequences to stay top of mind. But where you will fail at implementing those three phases is if you start at the beginning and you don't have your customer journey mapped and it's not working organically. Facebook ads are only going to amplify what's broken in that organic customer journey. Mm. I'm so glad you mentioned starting at the end because that, I think that was a like follow-up question that I was like, oh, I'm not going to have time for this, which was around, you know, what are you seeing in terms of people building audiences? Where are they going wrong with that? Because just like you said, I think there's this misconception out there that our goal is to build a platform. Our goal is to build an audience. No, no. Your goal is to get people to buy and use your service or your product, right? Um, And so it makes a ton of sense that you are focusing on starting at the end of that journey and working backwards from there. Um, I'm curious if you can actually share with us an example of a Facebook ad campaign that you've worked on or that maybe is working for you or that's working for a client that kind of can help us better understand these three phases and how they play out in the ads themselves. Absolutely. So I'm going to show a physical product. It's an e-commerce product and it is an annual planner. If you are a planner user, you know how fanatical people are about the layout and the design of their planners. So it's a challenge to sell something like that digitally because, you know, there's the tactile feel. It's how it's laid out. Where's the binding on a planner? Well, I'm going to explain it from start to finish. But remember, if you're implementing something like this, you start at the end and then implement it backwards. But in the connect phase, when it comes to a planner, what we tend to do is really start educating the market on who we are, what we stand for, our values, our origin story. We might start seeding some use cases or testimonials. 
but typically it's done with a video introduction first. And that's just a little technicality with creating what we call dynamic sequences. So once a user does an action on Facebook, the rest of the sequence can go off automatically behind it. But you create a trigger video so that you can target cold audiences who don't know you and who aren't already in the sphere of influence that you have. Once they watch that video, though, you sequentially line up content pieces that they would ideally see as somebody who just followed your Facebook page, right? Like if I had a new Facebook page follower today and over the next month, I posted nine content pieces, well, maybe they'd see three of those. Well, with ads, we can say, hey, after this person watched at least three seconds of that trigger video, let's let's show them an ad or a piece of content that gets them engaging, that gets them familiar with our profile picture or our brand logo. And you just create these small little micro pieces of content that mirror the organic journey that they're going to go on, but in a way that is timed and sequential and keeps you top of mind. Then in the second phase, that lead generation phase, you got your bro marketers hammering cold audiences with webinars and all of these, you know, too good to be true freebies. And you have already built a relationship with those cold audience members to slowly start to warm them up. And after an ad spend study where we separated out $48,000 in spend, we found that people who went through that connect sequence were 50 to 100% cheaper to acquire as leads in the commit stage. So, you know, when we're talking about having greater earnings per lead and not focusing on lowering our ad lead generation costs, a byproduct of letting people connect with you is that you do have lower lead costs. So, I mean, double bonus double. there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, double. So then once those people put their hand up and say like, yes, I'm interested in starting this sales journey, finding out more about how you can help me create that transformation in my life and in my business, then we start showing them ads in the close phase to help them overcome objections, right? Like most cart open ads are like, bam, carts open, buy this, go, go, go. What we should be doing is not talking about the features and the benefits of our products, but truly showing how your products or services can make an impact in these people's lives, really help them overcome the objections and get a deeper understanding to what it is that you offer along the way. So with a planner, we might start that process with a video of, hey, you know, busy moms, this is this is what life looks like. Sometimes you forget the kids' lunch. Sometimes there's PTA meetings that you just can't make, right? And it's a, a fun video to say, hey, we are calling out and letting you know that we serve moms. And then we're going to maybe put another piece of ad content that says, oh, hi, that my name's X. I'm the owner of this company. Here's how we started because I experienced things very similar to maybe what you experienced, right? And then, oh, okay. So I'm liking this person. I'm, I'm understanding their values. Then we might share a testimonial of somebody using something like the planner or some images of a planner in use, like full of color. Those things are just so fun in my own opinion. Um, so seeing it in use and then, okay, maybe they're not ready to purchase the planner. So we could have a five-day planning challenge, right? Where you're going to take them through your process of how to this week set up your next month for success. And so you're going to say, hey, we've got this amazing challenge. You're going to give me your email address. I'm going to exchange lots of value where you could then be seeding. Here's how the planner can help you also implement these things along the way. And so in the close phase, that final phase, 
they've already seen who you are, what you're about, your values, and then they've put their hand up and said, yes, I want to know more. At the third phase, you're now helping them overcome objections. And that could be showing the planner in 3D, right? Because planner fanatics love to visually know how it's all laid out and want to make sure that it is ideal for the scheduling system that they use. So, okay, if, you know, what are some other objections that people have? Well, I have uh, ADHD and I find challenges with using planners. Okay, well, maybe we can tell a story about how somebody similar also overcame something while using our product. So instead of it just being, here's my stuff, now buy it, it's educating people along the way, allowing them to on their own timeline, raise their hand and say, yes, I'm interested in this, and then helping them make a decision based on some of the hesitations and objections that they might have that supports a win-win relationship at the end of the day. Mm. I love all of that. Uh, so I'm hearing a few different things that I, I just want to double check that I've got the right idea and that and hopefully call it out for the audience as well. One, it sounds like you're sp spending quite a bit of money or at least putting a, quite a bit of energy into ads that have nothing to do with asking people for an email address. <laughs> mm, yes. Um, okay. So that's one thing. And then two, it sounds also like you are actually collecting real leads and not just email addresses. So what I mean by that is you are, when you are asking for an email address, you are asking for, you are asking, as you said earlier, for people to raise their hand that they're actually interested in the product in one way or another, as opposed to, oh, I just want this free thing, or, oh, I have a vague interest in this vague problem that you seem to vaguely be solving. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. And I, I mean, I might throw you for a loop when I say in my own business, remember my brand is called The Ad Strategist. We previously owned a Facebook advertising agency before sharing more education and and entertainment and knowledge around the industry. So I potentially could be doing so much cold traffic straight to lead generation like we've seen in the past years. In our own business, we don't have a single lead magnet. There is not a way to to give us an email address to get something free in return. We honor and respect the email address so much that we only ask you to share it if you're interested in finding out more about our products or services. And so that is like really challenging a lot of the norms that you hear in this industry, right? Going back to what you said about building platform, a lot of people say build an audience and then get them to opt in and then ask them what to build. We take it the complete other way. And so, yes, you are getting relationships and people on your email list that have more buyer intent, that are willing to have deeper relationships with you because you've already demonstrated so much value. The fun, like probably the coolest thing that I love about thinking of ads in this different way, which we call the strategy system is really focusing on having multiple touch points where people can self-identify. And so, yes, it is more ads over the long run, which sounds more expensive, but we are not optimizing for that lowest cost denominator. So instead of just filling our list with non-buyers, we are really advertising to the people who are ready to take action. And therefore, the cost to acquire a customer goes down. So yes, you're spending more on ads across the board, but all of a sudden your cost to acquire a customer might drop in half. So the same amount of ad spend can generate twice the revenue when you approach it from this long-term thinking. Awesome. And I am so glad that you shared that you don't have a lead magnet. We also do not have a right? lead magnet. If you're still waiting to launch your business till you have a lead magnet, like, please stop. Oh. <laughs> Stop it. Stop. Honestly, like we sold the first $40,000 of our program in the DM, aka Facebook Messenger. So like 
That's why I'm such a big proponent of starting at the end. Make sure that your products or service solves a need, creates transformation, and then the rest of it becomes easy. If you start with a lead magnet, you have no idea how somebody's going to transact with you at a higher level. Yes, 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 yes. Thank you. Okay, brilliant. Um, I have one final question before we start wrapping things up here. And that is just simply, you know, for a long time, people were saying it's worth it to run Facebook ads, even if all you have to do, even if all you have is is to spend just like $5 a day. Is that still true? Um, And is this the kind of system that plays well with that kind of ad budget? Or do we really need to have more money to spend to see results? So both. The answer is both. And the reason that I say that is because spending money on Facebook ads, sometimes it's more of a mindset thing that's holding us back than actually a budget constraint. Mm -hmm. With the strategy system, since you're starting at the end, since you're making sure you're profitable from the start, as soon as you see that, okay, $20 returned me some results, you then have more confidence to spend more. So I never want to discourage people who might have, I like to call it ad motions, the emotions that. that come from spending on ads before the results show up. So if you have ad motions, honor and respect where you are, but set aside a budget to make sure that you're testing things and you have a positive return. If you don't have a positive return, please don't spend more on Facebook ads. Please go back to those organic methods of really honing in on your customer journey and messaging because ads only amplify what's broken. And if you're not organically and manually able to figure that out, you're just going to waste a lot of money. So yes, you can start slow, but please, as soon as you start to see those results, let it be a positive sign to slowly ramp it Brilliant. up. Awesome. Amanda Bond, this has been an incredible conversation. Um, I would hate to leave people wanting to learn more about you and, and how they can find out about more about the strategy system. Uh, what are you working on right now and how can people get more from you and, and, and from this work that you're doing? Absolutely. Well, since I'm not going to ask anyone for their email address, you can just come hang out on the Facebook page. So you can join us at facebook.com forward slash the ad strategist. And let's get uh, let's get that content piece of bro marketing in front of the people who haven't seen it yet, because there are some really great nuggets, really actionable tips that you can take away right today and start implementing in your business. Whether you deploy the whole system or whether you just test it with one close ad, we want to put a stop to bro marketing. So we'll link that in the podcast. Absolutely. We will. Yes. Let's put a stop to to bro marketing. Um, (laughs) Again, that that says it better than I could in terms of what we're trying to do here. So brilliant. Amanda Bond, thank you so much for everything that you have shared with us and hopefully for saving people a ton of money and for making some people even more money because of this conversation. Learn more about Amanda Bond and everything we talked about today at theadstrategist.com or on her Facebook page at facebook.com slash theadstrategist. This episode was produced by me, Tara McMullen, and edited by Sean McMullen. Our theme music is by The Shrugs. Discover over 160 interviews with small business owners who share what's really working for them as they grow, run, and manage their businesses at whatworkspodcast.com.